0: That was good and very good. That second song we sung, it talks about uh, Jesus. It said, now I am free from the sin. That enslaved me. That's a good, a good verse for Galatians that we have been going through. Galatians chapter 4. We got into Galatians chapter 4 last week. We're going to be in verse 8 tonight. And we are going to read all the way through to verse 20. From verse eight to verse twenty, Galatians chapter four. We'll pray and then we'll we'll jump right in. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these uh, good words that you give us tonight, and and they should have have an impact on our life, dear Lord. Because I think that most of us are are able to relate to what your word says tonight, dear Lord. That is. Uh, doing good for a while, dear Lord, and then slipping back and giving in to some things. God, we, we all kind of struggle with things that we know we shouldn't do, dear Lord. And, but help us to stand strong, dear Lord. Help us to take that advice that Paul has given to the people of Galatia here and to live by that in our life, dear Lord, to know that, that maybe, maybe our, our circumstances aren't exactly the same But for a lot of us, dear Lord, we still face things that that, that want to pull us away from you. So I pray, God, that you speak to us tonight. I pray that you would just speak through me, dear Lord. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would just uh, do a mighty work in this place tonight, that you would be glorified, that this word would be good for us and beneficial for us, God, that we would hear it with our ears and hear it with our heart, and that it would have a change in our life. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, we we talked last week, just a little recap. We talked last week about being. Sons and daughters of the Lord, we are children of God. We, we, we've talked about that we were under the law, but we have been freed from that law through Christ. And not only are we freed from the law, but we are co-heirs with Christ. And so uh, we want to remember that. We don't want to forget that as Christians. And so we're going to pick up, kind of going in a little bit different direction tonight, kind of shifting directions from what we talked about last week. But in the past, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. Now, some translations may say you were enslaved to uh, beings, you were enslaved to them, you were enslaved to things. Uh, so the translation's kind of tough there. Even in the Greek, it's difficult to understand if he's talking about uh, a person that they were enslaved to or things that they were enslaved to. Either way, the point is the same. If it was things that they were enslaved to, that is, it was things that God did not command. It would have been things of the law, things that were burdening them. If it's talking about they or them or someone who was burdening them... It would have been someone who was teaching falsely to them, who was teaching them things that were opposed to Jesus Christ and opposed to what God's Word said. Now, if you go back and read in the beginning of Galatians, you see those people that Paul is talking about. He talks about those who are coming, who is troubling them is the word that he uses. There are some that are coming in that are troubling the people of Galatia and that they are quickly turning back to their old ways. And so that's why he's writing to them. He's trying to to get them focused, to grab their attention, and say, hey, look, don't give in to these people who are trying to to pull you back into your old ways, pull you into things that God does not demand, and so there were some there that was doing that, and he brings that point back to them now, but in the past when you didn't know God, that is, they didn't know any better at one point in time, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God, but now... "...since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and bankrupt (coughs) elemental forces?" So what he's saying is this. I'm going to kind of paraphrase here what he's saying. What he's saying is look, you used to not know any better and then you were taught the good news of Jesus Christ. You were taught better and you were living in that way for a while and now all of a sudden you've gone back to the old way. You've gone back to the weaker way. You were, you were taught something better. You were taught something in Jesus Christ that was so much better than that burden that the law had to give you. And you were doing so well and now all of a sudden why would you turn from the riches of God's glory and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ to the weakness and the bankruptness of the old ways. Now, do we ever do that in our life? Do we ever, are we ever blessed by God and God just, we're just, we're reading our Bible, we're praying good, we're in good relationship with the Lord, we're doing well spiritually and everything's going good. And we know we shouldn't get involved in some sin, something that comes up and we go right back and we do it. And we settle, for, we settle for less when God wants to give us more. And that's what the people of Galatia were struggling with here. They had already experienced Jesus Christ. They had heard the good news. They had lived the good news. But now all of a sudden, they were wanting to take the riches of God's glory and the blessings that God wanted to put on them, and they were trading it back in, and they were going back into their old ways. Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? Now here we have that language. We talked about that language a little bit last week about slavery. He says, look, you you were enslaved under the law. You were burdened under the law. You were enslaved in your old ways. They They were bringing you down. Why? You've been freed by Jesus Christ. Why in the world would you want to take the freedom that you have and go back into slavery? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Doesn't make any sense at all. If all of a sudden I were to tell you guys, some of you work, some, all of you have worked at some point in time in your life, some of, some of you are, if I were to come to you and say, look, you are freed from working, you don't have to go to work anymore, there are no consequences from that, I'm going to free you from that, you're good to go, I'm going to take care of you from here on out, you've got nothing to worry about. Would you get up and go to work again? Probably not. Why in the world would you go back? You got to get up at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning or earlier for some of you. And you got to go and you got to work in the intense heat or you got to work all late at night. You're away from your family. You're tired. You're wore out. And all of a sudden, I'm going to take care of all your needs and I'm going to free you from that. And then all of a sudden, you're going to live the good life for a week and say, Oh, you know what? I appreciate your offer, but I think I'm just going to go back where I'd be silly. That would just be silliness. But that's what the people of Galatia were dealing with. They were going back to the old ways. That law, those things that that Jesus had freedom from. And they were being burdened to try to live that old way again. How many times do we as Christians do the same thing? How many times is there maybe an area in our life that the Lord wants to offer us freedom... But we keep going back and we keep dwelling on something. Maybe we're worried about something. Maybe we're holding on to something that we need to let go of. Maybe there's some hatred. Maybe there's some anger in there. And it's something that God has freed us from. And we and we know that we can be freed from it over here. But then we just... Boy, we get that temptation coming and we kind of get pulled away. We, we may let somebody sweet talk us and say, Oh no, it's alright for you to be angry and hate them, And It's alright to do this and do that. And all of a sudden, we're pulled away from our good spiritual relationship with the Lord. And we're pulled back into that sin. And guess what it does? You know what it does because y'all have all been there. It pulls us down. Sin just burdens us. It just, it just convicts us. It makes us where we just we can't sleep good, we can't think straight, because we just know we're doing wrong, we know we're not living the way the Lord wants us to live. Why in the world would we leave a good relationship with Jesus Christ and live in sin? And that's what Paul is addressing for the people of Galatia here. He says, You observe special days, he's probably talking about the Sabbath there, months and uh, seasons and years... I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. What he's saying there is, look, you've gone back into these traditions. You've gone back into these things that were done for years and years and years, and now Jesus has come, and these things don't have any power. All the power lies in Jesus, and you were freed from those burdens, and Jesus has freed you. Why are all of a sudden you going back into that old lifestyle? I am fearful for you, Paul says. He is fearful because he knew that it was a serious thing. He knows that if, you, if you're trying to live for the Lord and you, you're also living for the devil and sin, you can't live for two masters, the Bible would say. And guess what's probably going to win out? Sin. Sin's a powerful thing. And so that's why we as Christians must always be on guard. Paul was fearful for them. And he said, look, my labor... been wasted that's what he was fearful for he had come and he had taught the people the good news he had told them about Jesus Christ and by all accounts they were doing good at some point in time and now all of a sudden he's here and things have gone haywire things have gone bad and he says look all that work I did I labored in vain now we can relate to that probably most of us can I can relate to it as a pastor Cause sometimes I'll preach a message and I think I just hit it, and maybe I did, maybe I did a bad job. But sometimes I think, man, that's, that's just got it. And then somebody will come up to me and whatever I say, let's just use the, a hypothetical. I'm making this a uh, preached about hate. We shouldn't hate. We shouldn't hate. And then somebody come up to me after church and say, well, I, I, I agree with everything you said, but I tell you what, I hate that person because you don't know what they did to me. And I'm like, dang it. You know, and it's like all this labor is in vain. It's like, is anybody listening? Now, that situation ain't happened here. I'm going to tell you all that. So don't be looking around. with it her? with it her? It wasn't anybody. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes sometimes we do that. And that's what happened. And Paul, maybe some of you guys have been witnessing to somebody. You've been ministering to somebody for years. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a co worker. And you, you're, you're looking at them and you're thinking, all right, I think I'm getting it. I think they're coming around. I think their they're, they're heart's being softened. that they're opening their, their heart up to the Lord. And then all of a sudden, they come to you one day and be like, you still believing in all that God stuff? And you're like, oh, you know? All your labor, you feel like it's been in vain, like they're not getting it. And that's what Paul was struggling with here. So, so he knows what you're feeling with. You're not the only person to feel that. He says, look, I've labored in vain. That's what his fear was. I beg you, brothers... So it appears, though, these are are Christians. I don't think he'd be calling non-Christians brothers here. And that's a very important point for us to make. It's not like he was dealing with non-believers in these verses. By all accounts, to me, it seems like he's dealing with believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ. Which means we better take heed to what's being said here. Because if those people could be tempted and fall back away from what they had learned, And so can we, because we are sinful humans just the same. He says, I beg you, brothers, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. Now that's an interesting statement, become like me. I don't think Paul was boasting here. I don't think Paul was saying, boy, look at how good I am. But what he's saying is, be obedient to the Lord like me. Because later on in the next few verses... He is going to talk about those who are teaching them falsely. And they are not teaching them for the good of the Lord. They are teaching them for their own pride so that they can be recognized. And Paul is saying, become like me. I don't think Paul is saying that because of his pride. I think he's saying, look, become like me because you have seen my example. You've seen how I have lived for the Lord. You, he said, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. Now, these people hadn't sinned against uh, Paul. They had sinned against the Lord. By turning from the Lord and turning back to these other things, they had sinned against the Lord. You know, sometimes as a pastor, people do this to me. They'll do something, and then they'll say, you know, uh, I'm so sorry, pastor, and apologize to me. They haven't sinned against me. I can't forgive them. And praise the Lord, I don't have that burden or responsibility to forgive people. Only the Lord can forgive people. And that's what I tell people when they come to me and tell me they're sorry. I said, hey, you take it to the Lord. He's the one who can forgive you. He's the one who can give you grace. And I think that's what Paul was saying here. Look, you hadn't sinned against me. I'm here correcting you. But not because you've done any wrong necessarily to me. But because they had sinned against the Lord. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a physical illness you did not despise or reject me though my physical condition was a trial for you now that's a that's, a, that's an interesting verse And there's really no evidence that I know of in the text to tell us exactly what was going on with Paul. There are a couple of of theories among theologians. One is that he may have contracted malaria on one of his missionary journeys, and that it had a uh, physical effect on him, a physical illness, which could have uh, led to some physical changes that were pretty gnarly and gross. Uh, Some say that it was his eyesight. It might have been something going on uh, with his eyes. But Paul says here that, look, you did not despise or reject me, though my physical condition was a trial are you some translations say for me that's a difficult verse whichever way you take it the point is still the same and that is this is that Paul had a condition and and the people didn't judge Paul The people didn't say oh stay away from him look what he looks like Paul even in his condition was continually there to minister for the to the people and they welcomed Paul in regardless of his of his situation he came preaching the good news he came preaching Jesus Christ and they received him and they received the gospel of Jesus Christ and all was well and good On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. So this is the relationship that Paul had with the people of Galatia. By all accounts, it sounds like that they had a fantastic relationship. I mean, when you say somebody treated you as though you were an angel... That's pretty good treatment. They were probably being very generous and gracious to Paul and taking care of his needs, possibly even taking care of him in his sickness, making sure that he was taken care of. Nothing makes you feel better when you're sick than somebody taking care of you. Michelle, she babies me all the time when I'm sick, and I let her do it because I'm a big baby, and she cooks me cookies, and she takes just great care of me. And here Paul was in his illness, and he had gone to see the people of Galatia and preached to them, and I, I imagine in my mind that they were probably treating him just like that that they were probably taking care of him they were listening to what he had to say but then something changed and that's why paul is writing the, the letter to him, because something changed what happened to this sense of being blessed you had the people had a sense of feeling blessed they were they were joyful they were happy what's happened to that something happened to it for i testify to you that if possible you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me now, that's, that's making a strong point right there. That's saying, you've got to really love somebody to say, I'll take my eyes out and give them to you. And Paul says that's the relationship that they had. They were that close. These people were so in love with the Lord. They were so blessed by the Lord. Everybody was happy. Everybody was getting along. I imagine it being a lot like Enterprise Baptist Church. Just a great, wonderful place. The people loving each other, loving Paul. And then all of a sudden, bam, the bottom fell out. We need to pay attention to that church because look, everything's good. God has blessed us. Such a sweet spirit here. Praise the Lord. But let us be on guard because the second we let our guard down, he can get one of us. Start talking about the other one. Start talking about this one. This side argue with that side. Argue with that row. Argue with that row. And before you know it, we might have an old preacher coming back in here saying, hey, look, last time I saw you guys a few years ago, y'all were good. And now look at y'all. Y'all just like a bunch of Galatians. So we don't want to fall into that same trap. And we, we are just as prone to do that as anybody. We are just as human as the Galatians. So that's why, praise the Lord, we have God's Word. So hopefully we can learn from our own mistakes and learn from their mistakes before we make our own mistakes. For I testify to you that if possible you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? All right, now there's the, there's the source of the problem right there. You see, the people of Galatia, they were living in their sin. And y'all, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you're living in sin and you're doing something wrong, it ain't nothing you hate more most of the time than somebody coming up to you and saying, you better straighten up. That burns. We should like that. We should like that. Proverbs says, I don't remember exactly what it says, I'll paraphrase. It said that when a friend comes and tells you the truth like that, that's a good thing. It's better than an enemy coming to give you kisses. We should be happy when our brothers and sisters in Christ come and point out our sinfulness. But boy, that's hard to take. That's hard to take. And Paul, what he had done, he had come back up into Galatia. He saw that everything was in chaos. And he said, y'all better straighten up. And now all of a sudden he comes in speaking truth and they ain't want nothing to do with him. You see, because here's the thing. People don't want to hear the truth. And we, us too sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes maybe in our lives we don't want to hear the truth. We live in a world today where nobody wants to hear the truth. You start pe- speaking truth, all of a sudden people start telling you that you're you a hater, that you're judging, that you all these things. Truth, truth, whether people want to believe it or not. We still have to speak truth even if people don't want to accept it. What Paul was trying to do here, he didn't come to condemn them, to get on to them, to, to judge them like he was uh, because, because he wanted to see them fail or he wanted to destroy them or, or pick on them or point his finger at him. What Paul come to do was he come to straighten them out because he loved them. He didn't want to see them get sidetracked. So that's why he came and began to speak truth into their life. They are enthusiastic. Now they, the they he's talking about here, are the same ones who have come in and tried to get them off track. The ones that we saw early on. The ones that come in teaching false things. uh, The ones that kind of tripped them up. So they are enthusiastic about you. But not for any good. Instead, they want to isolate you so that you will be enthusiastic about them. Now that sounds pretty prideful. These false teachers who were coming in, they were very enthusiastic. They were probably great speakers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We see these people in our life. We see some people on TV sometimes. And I, I, I have, sometimes they say some things, some of these big TV preachers, and they always asking for money and asking for money, and I ain't saying that all of them is bad, but we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful because, boy, they can, they can be so enthusiastic and so energetic and sound good and sound good. But are they seeking the Lord's glory or are they seeking their glory? I don't know. That's between them and the Lord. But obviously the Bible tells us to look out for people like that. And so it's wise for us to be on guard. And not just people we see on TV. Do it to me. Do it to anybody you hear preaching here. Do it to everybody you hear preaching God's word. Because what had happened here, these slick-talking, enthusiastic people who seemed like they cared about the people of Galatia had come in and they had pulled the wool over their eyes and all of a sudden they had got them off of Jesus and they had got them on to the old ways. They had got them on to their self. They were isolating them. They were trying to control them. They were trying to keep them from hearing the good news. You just stay here. Don't you associate with that other group. You just stay right here with our group and we'll teach you truth. We see that in our world today. I thought, I thought about old uh, over in Texas several years back, old David Koresh. Was that his name? Had that commune over there and all these people were there and he's teaching and preaching all this crazy stuff to them. And not just him. We see that all throughout our history. We see people just like that. That's what I imagine was going on here. There was one of those type of people and they were trying to keep the people of Galatia closed off. Don't listen to Paul. Don't listen to them. We got truth. And they were Pulling them away from Jesus. They were pulling them back from what uh, Paul had preached and taught them. That had freed them. And they were pulling them back into slavery. Now it is always good to be enthusiastic about good and not just when I am with you. So Paul says, look, it's not wrong to be enthusiastic. It's not wrong to, to do good, whether I'm here or whether or not. It's okay to be excited and to be enthusiastic, but these false teachers were using that enthusiasm for what they were claiming to be good, but it was not good at all. So Paul's saying, look, be enthusiastic uh, about what's good, but be enthusiastic about the Lord, and the same is true for us. My children, I am again suffering labor pains for you, until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. So there was a real struggle in Paul's life because these were friends that he loved, these people of Galatia. He was writing this letter to try to get their attention. He says it's like labor pains. Now you you women... You know what I'm talking about. That's pretty intense pain. Now that's a deep love that Paul had for people. I wish I had that love. I mean, I love people, but I don't know if I've ever been in that kind of pain for people. I mean, maybe I have. I don't know. But I want to be there. I want to get to that point in my Christian life that I care about people that much, that I'm in so much pain that it's like being in labor. And Paul says, look, I'm in pain for you because for you until Christ is formed in you. He knew that it was a process. They were going through this process of, of spiritual maturity and they had heard the good news of Jesus Christ and they had accepted it and here was this bump in the road. And he's wanting them to get, to get over this bump, to, to take these temptations, these people who were trying to tempt them, and to be able to know right from wrong and say, hold up, wait a minute. You're, you're trying to get me to go back into this slavery. You're trying to get me to go back into this thing and I'm free. And so Paul is trying to open their eyes And just like the people of Galatia, you and I are on a spiritual journey. We don't start out at maximum spiritual maturity. We start out way down here. And as we grow in the Lord, we should be maturing. Sometimes we don't as Christians. The Bible addresses this in great detail. It says, look, at one point it says you should be drinking, uh, uh, you should be eating solid food, but you're still having to be fed milk because you are babes in Christ. And so, listen, if you're any and you're a Christian, then we should be striving to grow in the Lord. Because the more we grow in the Lord and the more we mature, the more we'll be able to stand against situations like these the more we'll be able to stand when temptation comes. When somebody teaches us something that's not what God's Word says, when somebody teaches us something that is not Jesus Christ, that we can, we can look at that, we listen to what they say, we look at it with the text, and we can determine, is that true or is that not true? And when it's not true, we'll be spiritually mature enough that we won't be turned to go back into slavery, that we will remember that we are free in Christ, so let us cling to Christ. Let's pray. God, we come to you and just a lot of stuff for us to take in tonight, God. It's a, it's a good text and it's a real opening thing, God, because we're just as guilty and just as prone to, to be tempted in these same ways. So help us to be on guard when we have false teachers and, and, and preachers that we may encounter. Maybe it's in this building, God. Maybe it's somewhere on the street. Maybe it's when we turn on the TV or the radio. God, they're everywhere. The world's full of people that are trying to teach something that's going to lead us away from Jesus Christ that's going to put the burden on us to do more, to give more, to give more money, to do more good stuff, to come to church more, God. But that's not the burden that you put on us, dear Lord. Jesus Christ took all of our burden. He took all of the sin. God, the sin was our burden, and he took that. And we thank you, dear Lord. So help us to remember that if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we have freedom. And we don't have to give in to that that, that slavery, that sinfulness of, of the old ways. And God, maybe there's one in this room tonight that's still living under slavery. They're still living under that burden, and they're just feeling the weight of that. God, I pray tonight that you would lift that weight, that they would come to you, that they would say, Lord Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you gave your life for me, and I pray that you'd forgive me, that you would cleanse my sin with the blood that you shed on the cross, dear Lord. I pray that they would say that prayer, not just with their mouth, God, but with their heart. That they would make you their Lord and Savior. And that they would follow through. That they'd come and they'd say, hey, look, I made that decision to accept Jesus. And I want to follow through in baptism. So, God, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, that you would put that on their heart tonight. That they would know you. And I ask these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.